Hello, this is episode 200. Can you believe it? Look, sometimes I pinch myself that I'm here, that you're here, that we're on this journey together. And it's now 200 episodes in and almost four and a half years that we've been doing this. So in this episode, I want to celebrate this journey with you. Consider this my very sincere and possibly quite corny love letter to you, my gorgeous podcast listener. And perhaps I'm showing my age, but in a nod to Heath Ledger, I've titled this podcast 10 Things I Love About You as a listener of the Get It Right podcast. Does anyone remember the movie 10 Things I Hate About You? I think it's on Netflix if, like me, you enjoy that genre of movies and it brings back good memories of earlier times. I'm also going to share in this episode some personal information about my own renovation project because my hubby and I are starting the process of renovating our own family home, finally. And having renovated three homes as projects that we did and then sold, this renovation project is already proving to be a very different experience. This is our long-term family home. It's in a location where the usual resale metrics, they don't just don't stack for my property economics developer analytical brain. And uh, it's also a project that needs to fit into a schedule that already has to cover three kids, our family life, the running of four businesses between the two of us. And so our plates are definitely a bit more full than when we've renovated in the past. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about that project in this episode as well. Now remember, you can grab a full transcript of this episode as a free PDF download by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 200 and that's the numbers 200. So be sure to do that so that you can review and revisit this episode as needed. Now let's dive in. Welcome to the Get It Right podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. With over 25 years industry experience, I've worked with loads of homeowners like you to create family homes that work, feel great, and that you feel great in. I'm a wife and a mum to three kids who, thanks to our own renovations, they all learned to climb ladders before they walked. And I'm a registered architect who is passionate about you feeling informed, educated, and empowered as you design, build, or renovate your home. Now, if you're up for some frank and open conversation about the true nitty gritty of designing, building and renovating based on professional and personal experience across hundreds and hundreds of homes, well, you're in the right place. Undercover Architect is an award-winning online business and resource that began in mid-2014. And it's all about teaching you how to create a fantastic, feel-good family home. One that works for you now and into the future one that is sustainable and affordable, and that helps you live a great lifestyle, both in and beyond your home. So whether you're renovating or building, whoever you're working with, and whatever your dreams, your location, or your budget, consider Undercover Architect your secret ally in helping and teaching you how to get it right. Now, before we jump into this podcast episode, a quick shout out to my sponsors. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by me and my free online workshop, Your Project Plan. I actually created this online workshop because I so regularly see a lot of time and money get wasted in renovation and building projects. And this happens largely because homeowners just don't know what they're supposed to be doing next. So that makes it really easy to make missteps, to take the wrong advice, or to actually skip important parts of your project that will catch you out down the track or worse, mean that you miss out on things that you really wanted in your home. Learn how to avoid serious and expensive mistakes, what to do next, whatever stage you're at in your project, and also access some great bonuses too by heading to undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. And that's project plan spelled P-R-O-J-E-C-T 
P-L-A-N. That's undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. Take the guesswork out of the next steps you need to take in your project journey and sign up today for free for this great online workshop. And now let's get on with the episode. Here we go. Okay, so episode 200, hey, in the land of podcasting, this is apparently a pretty big deal. And I actually didn't realize it was such a big deal until I started casually mentioning it to a few business colleagues. And then I did some research. Now, according to figures as at April 2021, there are over 2 million podcasts currently available and a total of over 48 million episodes. That's a lot. It's a lot of listening. However, apparently in around half of those 2 million podcasts, there's a maximum of 14 episodes in total. So it's quite interesting. And in fact, around 12% of podcasts will die after only a couple of episodes. So reaching 200 episodes does feel like a bit of a milestone. What's also interesting about the statistics uh, for Get It Right is that the download numbers that the Get It Right podcast episodes get actually put it in the top 10% of all podcasts. And at the time that I'm recording this episode, we are creeping up to 1 million downloads. I was at a conference of bloggers in the middle of 2016 and my dear friend Alex Stewart of Low Tox Life and I We used to go to this conference and share a room together. It was actually our chance to hang out kid-free and to catch up every so often. And Alex had recently started a podcast on the Jackrabbit Network. So Jackrabbit was actually started by Brooke McCallery and her husband, Ben, of the Slow Home Podcast. Now, if you're not familiar with that podcast, I really recommend you check it out. She was podcasting before any of us were podcasting. And I also know that there are listeners of my podcast who are only here because they found Undercover Architect via the Slow Home Podcast. Brooke was so kind to interview me very early on in uh, the creation of the Get It Right Podcast. Now, during the conference, I actually attended a session that Brooke was presenting about podcasting and her experience with it. And there was also another session that Rachel Corbett did as well. She's now heading up Nova's podcasting network, having recently been the head of Mamma Mia's podcasting network too. And of course, she appears on the project regularly as well. And she's got her own podcast school online course and a podcast teaching you all about podcasting too. So... And it was interesting after seeing those sessions and I, you know, I I actually thought this podcasting thing seems like it could be a really good idea for Undercover Architect. I had been thinking about it for a few months prior and this event and these speakers, they really highlighted how great it could be for creating fantastic content and reaching and helping people. And after these sessions, there was a lunchtime table session where you could uh, sit with the various speakers around a table at lunchtime. And I noticed Brooke sitting at a table on her own as lunch began. And I remember speeding through the food line and then beelining it over to the table to sit down next to her and just started asking her questions about her podcast. And then I was sharing my dreams of creating a podcast to help homeowners with designing, building and renovating their family homes and telling her a bit more about Undercover Architect. And Brooke was, as she is, she she is lovely. She's patient, she's generous, she's kind, really, really helpful. And I left my meeting with her just so help, hopeful about what it might mean for me and for Undercover Architect. Now, over the next few months, I continued to connect with Brooke and then work with her to become one of the podcasts that was available on the Jack Rabbit Network. And through Brooke, I was introduced to the amazing Stevie as well, who's an incredible woman that edits and produces the Get It Right podcast every week and still works with me to this day. And uh, yeah, I could not do this podcast without Stevie's help. Now, unknown to me, Alex had actually separately emailed Brooke 
uh, when after my conversation with Brooke, I'd come back, of course, to the hotel room and I'd said, oh, my gosh, you can't believe it. I was having a chat to her about it and all of this kind of stuff. And Alex then actually took it upon herself to separately email Brooke to endorse me uh, an undercover architect to her and to compel her to get me on the network. And then I also worked more closely with Rachel Corbett, who's since also become a good friend, to map out the content of my episodes for a good chunk of that very first year of the podcast. And those ideas that I worked with Rachel on, they're now living as seasons one through to season four. So on the 6th of December, 2016, we went live with the first five episodes of the podcast. And those episodes, they still get listened to on a regular basis today. Now, the podcast was born because of the help and support of women like Alex, Brooke, Rachel and Stevie. And it exists today because of the help and support of you. The messages I receive, the emails of thanks and feedback, the reviews and the ratings you leave, that's why we're at 200 episodes. That's why we're at almost 1 million downloads. It's why I keep showing up and sharing what I know and getting so excited about it, enabling you to have a better experience in building and renovating, to give you more confidence and self-assurance that you can actually do this for yourself and your family so that you can create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. Words just can't express how grateful I am to Brooke and even though the Jackrabbit Network no longer exists and Get It Right is an independent show, I do keep the little Jackrabbit logo on my podcast cover image. You may have noticed it there and wondered why it's there but that's the reason. Of course, I'm grateful to Alex who still continues to support and encourage me in my business plus enable me to help her community as well and I'm grateful to Rach who has incredible experience and expertise in radio and podcasting. She's such a great help uh, with insight into this medium so I can always ensure that I'm delivering it in the best way possible and of course to Stevie who as I said edits and produces this podcast and make it sounds awesome and get to where it needs to go so that you can reach it every single week. Now I'm especially grateful to you for you listening, for you sharing it with others, for you leaving your review and for trusting me to help you in your project journey. So as I said up front this is my love letter to you which it sounds a bit weird but I did want to share with you the 10 things I love about you because I'm hoping that it helps you see yourself as I see you. Because what I've learned in my work with you is that you are amazing and you rarely give yourself the credit that you deserve or are due. Renovating and building and in fact life itself, it can be really challenging these days and we can be so hard on ourselves and have really high expectations for how well we think we should be doing things. So if you indulge me, I hope that by sharing these 10 things with you and helping you see yourself through my eyes, you'll see you're actually doing a much better job than you most likely realize or give yourself credit for. And perhaps that will give you the encouragement and motivation that you need to keep persevering with such a big undertaking as renovating or building your family home. So let's get started. And I want to start with the first thing that I love about you. And that's that you're super clever and you are hugely passionate about creating a great home. What I love about my work with you is seeing how passionate you are about creating a great home. And it can be easy to look around at the building landscape of home construction in many locations, especially in Australia, and just think it's all about building McMansions that are energy hungry, poorly designed, but heavily styled homes that you know will show the test of time in as little as 10 or 15 years. Now, believe me, when I dive into some of the free Facebook groups and forums online and I see homeowner discussions around their projects, I can feel pretty despondent about what's getting built out there. And I can also get frustrated by seeing builders deliver really poor quality projects because they just don't have a long-term vision for their business. 
I mean, I think of the homes that I've lived in that were built to last and they were created over 100 years ago. And yet there's modern homes that we're building these days that will need to be demolished in the next 15 years because they're so poorly built and designed. What I love about you, though, is that not only are you hugely passionate about creating a, a great home, you are also super clever. You are tenacious and determined to learn and research what you need to know about home design, building and renovation. Now, that doesn't mean that it won't be confusing and overwhelming at times. Of course, anytime you learn new information, that is always going to be the case. And I find it's especially challenging squeezing new information into our brains when they've been around for 30 or 40 or more years and they already have a lot of information crammed into them. I remember having a boss very early in my career who said to me uh, that he didn't have a bad memory. He just felt like he needed a find file tool for his brain like a computer has so he could access the things that he knew were in there and then pull them to the surface like he can in a computer. So I think we can all relate to that. It's buried in there somewhere. It's just a case of being able to find it and being able to then uh, bring it to, to recall. But, you know, learning a new things and it can and be ch- it is challenging. And the subject matter of home design, building and renovating, it's a big subject. You know, whilst it often gets presented as something quite straightforward, I know from my work with homeowners like you that the level of research that you do means you actually uncover and dig into so much detail that you very soon come to realise how big an area of knowledge it actually is to wrap your head around. Thing is, though, you are clever and I guarantee you've achieved challenging things in other areas of your life. You've overcome difficulties and trickiness in other experiences. My gosh, if you're a parent, you're doing that every day. And so I know that being outside of your comfort zone is made much easier when you can access support and help to accompany you along your journey. It can help normalize those challenging feelings, that uncertainty and the insecurity that you might be feeling around your abilities to tackle something as big as the process of home design building and renovating. And ideally, you want to work with someone who is as passionate about helping you as you are passionate about creating a great home. You know, passion can be a great gauge in finding a like-minded, you know, like-minded people that you're going to have on your team. And I can see a lot of success for those who gather a team together that are seriously committed to a collective vision of the future homes that they as the homeowner hold. I suspect too, though, that even though I tell you that you're clever, there's going to be times that you don't feel clever in your project journey. And in fact, you may feel pretty ignorant and naive and dumb at times. Please know, please, please, please know you are not any of these things. People study for decades and decades in this industry. And, you know, that's the same with any industry in order just to be across the knowledge base. I've been in this industry for over 25 years. I've been working full time, living, breathing, dreaming about home design, building and renovating. And I still learn new things every single day. It's important to understand this, though. You actually don't need to have all the knowledge in order to do a great job of your project, to be in control of your project and to achieve great dreams for your future home. If anyone that you're working with is actually making you feel dumb and ignorant, pay attention to that red flag. Your job is not to learn all the things. It's to learn enough, to ask the right questions, to find a great team who does know all the things, and then work closely with them to ensure that they know about you and what you want to achieve. Now, in regards to being passionate about creating your future home, being passionate about things, it can be shunned and shamed in our society these days. People, will, they want to pretend that they don't care about the things that matter to them. Because when you express your care and concern over a particular issue or thing in your life, you naturally make yourself more vulnerable for the criticism of that passion to actually get to you, to hurt you. 
Now, I've learned a long time ago about myself. I don't do things by halves and it's definitely not for everyone. (laughs) Yes, it means stuff can be more disappointing when it doesn't go as I wish or expect, but the rewards always far outweigh the disappointments. So know this, your passion to create a great home, it's an asset to your journey. To me, being passionate about something as important as creating your future family home, it's the fuel that you will get you through these challenging times and you and your cleverness also will. You've got this. Now, let's look at the second thing that I love about you and that's this. You are incredibly intentional about what you're doing and why you're doing it. What I love about you is that you are being really methodical and intentional about the plans that you're making for your future home. And this is something you've probably been thinking about for some time, and it's a big deal as it should be. It's a big investment. And from what I know with my work with homeowners, whether it's $150,000 or it's $1.5 million that's being spent, it's going to be a big amount of money for you and your family. And that means you want to spend it really intentionally and deliberately. Getting clear on the big why behind your new home or renovation project, that's something that I've spoken about before. It's a brilliant way to clarify the decision making in your project, to identify what's really important to you, what's going to matter, and what to hold close as priorities in the journey. I find that many homeowners are looking for the way to create the perfect home, and yet I believe that there's no such thing as the perfect home. What's more real, what's a better goal, is to create the perfect home for you, for your site, your budget, and your lifestyle. And to do that, you need to firstly get clear on your priorities and then put them in order of importance. Because you'll find as you move through your project, there's going to be things competing for your attention, your budget, your desires. It can get really noisy and confusing. And what I love is that you you already know this, you realize this, and you're doing the work to protect your future self. You're getting clear on what's important to you. You're being intentional about this project. You're doing the work needed to get to know yours and your family's needs so that you're not at the whim of every well-meaning suggestion, trend or glossy photograph that gets thrown your way. Now, I've been asked many times myself as an architect that if I could design any home for myself, what would I design? Like there's this ideal house as an architect that I've been designing in my head for years and just waiting for the chance to bring it to reality. My answer always is this, there's no ideal, there's no perfect home. The site, the site itself, it drives so much of my decision making about any house design. Yeah, there's details, there's materials, there's special concepts that I'd like to explore. I also know though, I know how pragmatic I am. And so these fantastical concepts that I see and, you know, get quite excited about, they often get assessed with, well, how easy will that be to clean or how much is that going to cost? You know, as an example, you've probably seen those beautiful images of kids' bedrooms where they have the built-in bunk beds, often a set of four with the staircase in the middle and, you know, it might be creating those four sleeping spots in the room all built in with the beds being like cubby houses. You know, it's a beautiful concept. It looks gorgeous in the photographs. You know your kids would love it. Lots and lots of fun. And then I look at it and I think, what's it going to take for me to change the sheets on those upper bunks that are built in and really hard to reach? I'm going to have to climb all over the mattress. I'm going to have to do that awkward thing of trying to stretch a fitted sheet over the mattress whilst I'm not kneeling on part of it. (laughs) When my son actually, you know, when he got a bunk bed, he was all he wanted. 
I uh, I told him that we had to wait until he was old enough and it was under this condition that he was going to be able to change the sheets himself because I wasn't prepared to climb up this ladder and do that work of changing the sheet on the upper bunk. You know, I love living in a clean home, but I am not a fan of cleaning. So everything gets assessed to be, you know, how pragmatically I can make it, how functional I can make it, how easy I can it can be to clean and how durable it's going to be. So, you know, that perfect home that's this sort of juggle of, oh, that would be really funky and fun and gorgeous and then the perfect home in terms of that's going to be really easy to clean and not a headache functionally, those things can be at odds with each other unless you're doing the work of ordering your priorities. Being really intentional is so necessary for this, so make sure you keep doing it. It dramatically improves your ability to sift and filter what's going to work for you and your family in your future home. Now, let's look at the third thing that I love about you. So even despite your best intentions, life can and will get in the way of your project because you are juggling a lot. That's totally understandable, but don't let it stop you. It is very common for homeowners I work with to be thinking about their renovation for five or more years before they actually get it going. And it's one of the reasons that I've made the Home Method a non-expiry program. I've had many business people actually tell me that I'm crazy, that I should be charging an annual subscription for the home method so there's a recurring income, but I know that that ultimately doesn't work for my beautiful members inside the home method. What actually works best and what serves you best is for you to be able to join when you're early in your planning and you're not worrying about having to do it by a particular timeline. You can get the support and the guidance that you need without that pressure of just having to get through it all. And then you can have my support in there and the member community support as well as you navigate through the steps in your project when you actually choose to actively start taking them. Now, what I find is that many will join and then they'll realize that their project journey is actually more achievable than they thought and that they can get started sooner on it. Perhaps they didn't need to do as big a project as they initially thought. Or they'll find out that, oh, it's actually going to take a little bit longer than they realized. And so they decide to get going now because they have a pathway that they can start implementing and that will enable them to still reach the goal at the time frame, uh, at that end date that they were planning to, you know. And what I'm saying is this whole of the life getting in the way, it's never felt truer to me than it has recently with my own renovation project. So when my husband and I renovated our three previous homes, they they certainly weren't quick flipping exercises. We were living in the homes. We were juggling those renovation projects around, you know, babies being born and toddlers and work and other commitments and kids starting school and all of those kinds of things. But there was still an intention that we had to finish the project and to sell the home. And what we also found was that the next life change or the next opportunity, it often came up, which then actually compelled us to finish the project to a deadline. Now, for example, our first home, we'd been living there for about five years and, uh, you know, we'd bought that when my husband was doing university as a postgraduate student and we'd sort of, you know, been living there as a couple before having kids. Um, But once our first son was born, I was actually curious about finding a home that was on a bigger block and um, that also had a garden that was on grade with the house because this house that we'd bought, it was a high set home. And so we were, all of our living was one story above the garden. Now by chance, one Saturday morning, I was dropping my husband off at work. He's a physio, he was a physio at the time. And I was just looking through the paper when you had real estate pages in the paper. And I saw a home on the market 
that was on a block size that was about 200 square metres bigger than us in the same suburb that we lived in. Now, we weren't actively looking for our next purchase. Um, I just went out of curiosity. But when this opportunity came up, we were in a position to be able to act. We negotiated a three-month settlement um, on the house that we wanted to purchase. And then we finished off the work on our existing home inside that three-month period, put it on the market and sold it in time to be able to meet that settlement deadline. Now, with our second home, after we went through the gap storms and we battled our insurance company for 13 months for our settlement, which I've spoken here um, on the podcast about that in season 12, I think we were just ready to finish that home and move on. You know, we'd found the whole experience pretty wearing. And even though the home was now beautiful and renovated, it always had that association for us. You know, anytime a storm came, we would just go into battle stations to make sure that things were okay and that we were safe. As an aside, I actually found that that feeling, that association with storms and needing to go into battle stations, it didn't really leave me until we moved to where we are now in the Byron Hinterland. You know, storms and rain, when you live on 80 acres and you're only using rainwater for all of your water supply, they're now about paddocks getting watered and about our tanks getting filled. They're no longer about trees falling through roofs and insurance battles for 13 months. Isn't it interesting what we make things mean? Um, Be sure to check out, if that interests you at all, be sure to check out episode 195 uh, because in that interview, in that podcast episode, I interview Lisa Cordoff and we talk about the stories that we tell ourselves and how this meaning making can actually impact how we do our renovation and building journeys. It's a really great episode to listen to. Now, our third home, we always intended that to be a project. The plan always was to buy something that we would renovate and sell. And so when we purchased that home, it was a case of just getting it done. The decisions that we made around buying that home, they were very different to the previous two. We were looking at it as a, as a, as a development play. So mind you though, it still took three and a half years because it was being done around life with three kids under the age of four, Um, I started a new architectural practice and, you know, we were juggling all of that. But it was our focus, you know, we wanted to renovate and sell that property as soon as we could. Now, this home, though, by contrast, this home, we moved here in mid-2014. This was, moving here was a dream that we'd had for over nine years. It was one of the reasons that we'd been renovating properties to try and get ourselves financially into a position that we could do this. And when I came to look at this home for the first time uh, and we walked on the property with the real estate agent... It was actually the first time in any of my property buying experience that I could envisage living somewhere long term. You know, we we knew that we would eventually renovate it, but frankly, after 12 years of living in construction sites with our kids in three different homes, we were done. We couldn't bear the thought of renovating just yet. And, you know, so this home that we bought, it's probably the most complete home we've ever purchased, the most, you know, able to be comfortably lived in from day dot without us having to really do anything. But knowing too that it had loads of potential and loads of things that we would do if and when we had the time to think about it and also the funds available as well. Now, over the seven years that we've lived here, we've done small projects here and there. We can't help ourselves. My husband's super handy. There's things that have been needed to be doing. You know, it was actually built by a builder who was a single man uh, about 35 years ago. He lived here on his own and he created a lot of open plan areas in the house that really don't work too well as kids' bedrooms. 
The house has a hip and gable roof and it's a single story home, but it's got a very steep hip and gable roof. So there's lots of accessible roof space. And one of these has been converted into a loft room. And so our girls share a bedroom in that loft room space. And then our son has a bedroom of his own, which is in an area that was actually, I think the original owner's pool room. Um, There's talk of the local men being all invited around to play pool with John um, in this space. Um, We've just set up robes and temporary walls to help divide the space up but the the room doesn't have a door but it gives my son enough privacy for it to be his bedroom. Now I remember when we first came to this house and we looked inside the roof spaces we wondered why they were so big. We wondered why they were all built out with ply on the floor. You could walk into all of them and um, you could see all of the trusses and um, there was nails. There's nails sticking out of all the trusses and rafters in the roof spaces and um, little doorways to get into all of these roof spaces. And the real estate agent told us that the original owner used to actually grow marijuana on the property. Um, It's 80 acres and he used to grow it down in the valley. Uh, There's some funny stories about him hot-tailing it down there when a police helicopter was flying over and those kinds of things. And then he used to harvest it and hang it up inside the roof spaces in order to dry it out because it does get very warm in there and it's very dry in there. Now, over the years, as what happens with old homes, you know, it's a 35 plus year old home, things have deteriorated, they've needed maintenance. It's a timber weatherboard home, it's got a metal roof, Um, there's rust in some spots on the gutter, there's timber rotting on a couple of the window hoods um, that I think were probably pretty makeshift things when they were initially installed. They've taken a beating with the rain and, um, and so they're needing to be replaced. Plus the owners that were owning, that owned the property between John, um, Uh, John having it and us buying it, they actually did some not so great renovations to the place. And so there's been some issues with those, including a bathroom ceiling falling in one day, only to find a ceiling space above it that had been insulated, and I put that in inverted commas, with sofa cushions and old clothing. It was literally like the previous owners had filled that ceiling space from the floor above before they'd put in the bathroom upstairs. So it was a fun day cleaning up that mess. Now, anyone who's living on a farm knows that the house and its maintenance, it can be pretty low on your list of priorities when you're running a property. I've worked with lots of homeowners who've been, uh, who live on working properties in lots of regional areas around Australia. They know that the house needs some work and renovations. Um, They really need to do some renovations for their growing family. But spending money on the house, it's just not always top of the list because there's always equipment or land or livestock, you know, their livelihood that actually needs those financial resources. Now, my husband and I, we're not from farming backgrounds. We're the first to admit that we completely underestimated the work that was involved in taking care of an 80-acre property. Since we've moved here, of course, I've been building Undercover Architect and now Live Life Build as well. My hubby's been doing all of the work managing the actual property. He's got cattle. He's had pigs in the past. We've got a couple of horses. And he also does the lion's share of caring for the kids as well. However, recently, as I explained to a designer that came to the home, um, I had him around to create measured drawings of the property so I could start the design process. And I knew that um, he and I had a good laugh about the fact actually that it was going to be faster 
um, for me to hire him to do the measured drawings. It's not my zone of genius to be sitting down and measuring up a house and then sitting in CAD to draw up those measured drawings. I knew it would be far faster to get somebody else to do it and just outsource it. And uh, um, I was walking around with him saying, you know, we're getting to that point that I see so many of, of the homeowners I work with get to, getting to where stuff's breaking down and it's needing maintenance and needing replacing. And you just know that you have to pay attention to it. And so you either have to replace it or you have to figure out how you're going to renovate and factor in those repairs at the same time. It's like the house starts, you know, this quiet whisper and then this slow nudge and then this sort of, you know, quiet scream <laughs> before it gives you a slap in the face. We're not at the slap in the face. We're somewhere between the nudge and the scream. So I'm trying to stay on it to make sure that we don't get to the scream, the loud scream or the slap. Now, this is going to be really familiar to those of you with old homes. You just get to a point where the house calls for those renovations sooner than you might be ready. Um, at, you know, or at the very least, you know that you're going to have to start focusing on those things that need fixing and replacing. So we've started planning our renovations. And what's interesting is that there is, there's no real deadline for this project. You know, I remember a few years ago thinking, particularly when we bought the place, our kids were in grade uh, two, kindergarten and preschool when we moved in here. And I remember thinking, oh, it'd be really awesome to be, for them to all have rooms of their own by the time they're in high school. They've never had rooms of their own. We've always lived in houses where they've shared rooms because we were in construction sites or rentals. And I thought it would be really good for them to have their own rooms by the time they were in high school. Now, two of them <laughs> are in high school. So now it's a case of, you know, if we don't get started on this soon, they're going to be finishing school before we've done anything. And so little by little, I'm chipping away at the steps that are necessary to make this project happen. Now, one of the interesting things that I'll also share with you about this project is it's really different to others because it's our long-term home. So it's not about what's going to work for a quick and a worthwhile resale. I I'm not thinking about it in those terms. That's And that's very different to the experience that I've had renovating properties before. And I'm noticing the psychology around my thinking around that. And, uh, and because I've worked with homeowners in this way so often, where they are renovating or building their long-term family homes, it's really lovely for me to be getting such a personal, you know, experience of that myself. Now, the nature of this property also being uh, Byron Bay, hinterland acreage and what's been happening with property values around here is that you know we're very realistic about the fact that if and when we do sell this property that somebody could literally bowl the house over to build the home that they want you know we've watched so many move into this area and they've completely renovated homes that were already renovated they were already really lovely finished renovated homes and the new owners have just gone on and spent more money on them done different different work to them and then I've, we've also seen people completely demolish the renovated homes that they've purchased in order to build the dream homes that they want yeah it's it's a bit crazy but the value we know and very realistic about the fact that the value of this property it sits in the land itself and that's a really different experience to renovating uh, a property in suburbia, which has, you know, been what we've done before, where you can actually assess what's going to create value in the home itself and the work that you do to it. Now, please understand me though, as I talk about this stuff, if you're renovating or building your long-term family home, your decision shouldn't and doesn't need to be driven by resale and only designing um, based on what's going to sell in your area. I think that we get really caught up in worrying about what a future potential buyer is going to think of the decisions and the choices that we're making. 
But what I teach homeowners um, inside um, the home method is that one of the early ways to determine your budget is to actually understand more about the property values in your area and be really, really stick about that, you know, because you could actually be spending your project budget on anything. It's a big investment. And one of people's really very real fears is about overcapitalizing on their property. And so, you know, when you understand more about the real estate values in your area and what decisions might diminish or improve the value of your home, that can be really worthwhile research in setting your budget and protecting your investment. You know, you can still create a home that uniquely suits you and reflects you and it be super attractive to future buyers. And on the flip side of that, you can also create a home that you think will sell well, that you've made a whole heap of decisions that were about resale value and all of those kinds of things, but it then lacks personality and emotional connection and you just get stuff wrong and then it doesn't sell well. So, you know, knowing what we know about real estate in our area What it's led me to think, and it's actually really exciting, is that we can actually have some fun with this renovation. I don't have to think with my developer hat on. I don't have to think with those kinds of things because the value is in the land itself. And then the house can be what what it can be. And that means that we can actually do some potentially super interesting and experimental things that we can have some fun with that will actually make it easier for us to achieve on a tight budget and a time frame that suits us. And it may also then be what enables us to manage the work that we want to uh, in the way that we want to as well. You know, where we live, it can be really hard to get tradespeople and builders in this area, as with anywhere at the moment, to be frank, but, you know, particularly living in a regional area. And it can also be get, it can be hard to get local tradespeople and builders to agree to fixed price contracts because many um, simply work for daily or hourly rates. We also live up the top of a hill that has a quite a long and winding driveway. It's about a kilometre long. And so um, and so uh, it's a gravel driveway and, you know, that can be tricky to negotiate with big trucks and those kinds of things. We're two hours from the nearest capital city. Um, we've, of course, got regional centres that are closer to us. But, you know, the delivery of materials and products and those kinds of things that I previously had really easy access to in a CBD location, it's a very different experience here where we are now. So all of that requires consideration as well. So I'm doing things like exploring shipping containers and prefab and bolt-ons and what we might be able to do with those kinds of things. And we've already had a bushfire consultant out here to give us a verbal assessment. I paid um, a fee to get a verbal assessment of the property because it has a bushfire overlay on it because I wanted to understand being that it's a timber home that was created before all of those bushfire codes were in place that we have now, what changes might we have to make to the existing property in order to bring it up to code and what were we going to have to do and what then would that tell us about the renovation as well? Would that tell us that we might actually be changing a significant part of the house and so that would then lend itself to different design ideas too? So you know, all of that preparatory work is so important for you then being able to map out what your design pathway might be and what you can then explore as options. What we've also found is it's really fascinating to watch the kids. They were little last time we renovated and now being the age that they are, they want to have a say in what we do and in the rooms that we're creating for them. They've got all their own requests and that's certainly challenging my creative authority on the project. You know, my middle daughter in particular, um, she's a little obsessed with interior design. She's 12 years old. She's got a plan for her 
her bedroom already um, and I'm not sure I'm totally on board with it. So (laughs) I am, however, and this is the whole reason that I was telling you this story is that I'm really noticing how easy it is for a few weeks to pass by before I've taken another step, made another phone call in order to progress things. It really requires me keeping it front of mind because life will very easily get in the way otherwise and months, months can pass quite quickly without you even realizing. So I'm now working out a bit of a program so that I can keep myself personally accountable to make progress on this project. And I'm also, you know, getting hubby uh, to do some specific investigations as well so that he can be working on things that we need to find out too. And so I'll keep you posted on our progress. Like I said, it's, it's going to be an interesting project for us. I totally feel you on this one though, this whole thing about life getting in the way of the best laid plans. We all lead really full lives these days. We all have a lot going on. So it's totally understandable that life can and will get in the way of our best laid plans to renovate or build within a certain time frame. And I've seen I've seen you be really, really hard on yourself about this. Please don't be. Small incremental steps, they can make massive progress over a period of time. You know, break your project down into smaller chunks. Figure out what you can divide between you and your partner if you're renovating and building as a couple. See if you can schedule in some regular time each week or fortnight to discuss it, almost like a project meeting. Keeping things moving, you'll actually be surprised by how much momentum you can gain this way. Now, remember, this is quite a chunky episode. So we're only through the three things I love about you so far. So make sure that you can, um, that you remember that you can grab a full transcript of this episode as a free PDF download by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 200. That's the numbers 200. Then you can keep it for your notes and you can refer back to this information later. Now, the fourth thing that I love about you is this. You underestimate the impact and power that you have with your money and your decision making. So please don't be beholden to those that you're working with. Don't worry about being an unreasonable client with expectations that are too high. Express what you want, take on board their feedback and have a framework or a a place or an impartial person that you can go to and check in with so that you can see if you're being delivered good service. We can literally shape the world that we want with the way that we spend our money each day. Now, one of the reasons that I started Undercover Architect in the first place was because I'd seen how resistant builders and developers were being to delivering better for their customers. You know, I knew that I needed to educate and show you as the homeowner that you can demand more from this industry with the decisions that you make and the way that you spend your money. It's an industry that's that's already fully capable of delivering sustainable, great quality homes that are well-designed, durable and functional. But they can just get away with what with not doing that because people still buy the stuff that won't work. I remember hearing about Japanese developer Sekasui House. So um, this was quite a few years ago and they decided um, – they've been going in Japan since the 1960s, I believe – and they decided uh, some years ago that they would – Uh, make double glazing the standard offering in the homes that they built for their customers and that they would educate homeowners as to why double glazing was a better product. And they increased demand so much for double glazing that um, because of course, even if you weren't building with Sekasui House, you were still hearing about why it was a better product and then asking that of your own builders. 
And so double glazing started to become standard across residential projects in Japan. And so then Sekisui upped its game again and it started doing triple glazing to their homes in Japan. They have a 50-year warranty. They have a buyback scheme and a recycling scheme for the end of life of the homes that they build. And they've built over 2.4 million homes worldwide. They have a raft of other sustainability metrics that they live to. They want their your home to be the happiest place in the world. So, you know, it's really amazing to see when we do demand better of companies that they can deliver this stuff. You know, they're another example that when in California, they actually made double glazing compulsory in homes. And they created an industry standard where double glazed windows are now less expensive to purchase than single glazed windows. You know, our demand, it drives supply. Each time you spend your money, you're demanding something from the industry and from the people that you're spending your money with. Now, why do I love this about you? Why do you, why do I love that you underestimate your ability to do this, your power in, in this process? Why I love you about, and why I love this in you is because I know that you'll come to a point where you actually realize that you have been underestimating your power. And when you do, it's transformational because you then realize that you don't have to be beholden to those that you're working with. And you realize that you don't have to feel like you have to apologize for having high standards for your project and your home. And I love watching this happen because that can then drive the way that you tackle your project, how you show up as well. It's really brilliant to see you step into the full potential of your skills and abilities and help drive the full potential of your project as well. Now, the fifth thing I love about you is this, you're actually taking the time to get ready even though you get questioned why things are going so slowly. Now, this is a big one because we live in a world that is all about speed, about getting things done quickly, about instant living, fast fashion, speedy projects. So when you might take 12 months or more to move through your design phase or, you know, you're slowly and methodically working through your material and product selections, or you take six months to choose the designer you're going to be working with, it's inevitable that you'll have people saying to you, well, such and such, they started after you and they've already finished their project. You know, why are you taking so long? I've actually had people say to me, you know, we were able to do it really quickly because we're really decisive. And that can be the case. You know, some people are able to make decisions really quickly. However, some people only make decisions quickly because they feel super uncomfortable being in a state of indecision. That's really different to being decisive. You know, I find that with something uh, especially as long-term and impactful as your future home, sitting in indecision can actually be useful for testing your attachment or your commitment to ideas and decisions. Taking the time to get ready for your project is time that I believe is well spent, especially when it's in, uh, you know, the, the work that happens during design and selections in the lead up to construction. When you bring forward your decision making so that you dramatically reduce the choices and input required from you during construction, that's always going to enable construction to go far more smoothly for you. Taking your time, running your own race on this, it can be really hard when well-meaning friends and family question you about why it's taking you so much time to be in your finished home. What I love about you though is your tenacity and determination to persist at getting really ready, at getting really prepared and at ensuring that you're in the best position possible to do a great job in creating your future home, at learning what you need to and what you need to know and work through so that when you do make decisions, they're really deliberate and intentional. Now, the sixth thing I love about you is this. 
you are up against an industry wanting to deliver you the least amount of quality it can and you're amazing, strong and persistent regardless of this. Now, remember when I said that you can demand better and your spending holds huge power in changing this industry and this world? I'm not unrealistic about this because I know that you're doing this inside an industry that is literally driven by delivering the lowest common denominator. It is incredibly frustrating. I know how hard it can be for you. I know how exhausting and how demoralizing it can be as well. When I work closely with my members inside the home method, I see sometimes how much they actually have to fight for their projects, for their wishes, for their goals, for their future home. And yet you have this fight in you. I know that you're passionate, committed, intentional and determined and it's so brilliant to see. I see you not taking no for an answer. I see you pushing designers and builders to deliver better. I see you moving on from those who don't. I see you be willing to persist, to change design tactics, to dive into the details, to question things, to keep going so that you can meet your budget or find an amazing finish or achieve a sustainability standard that you're seeking. Even when you're being told, no, it's not possible or no, that's just going to cost you more or no, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, one of the things that I find I'm saying to homeowners when they come to me and they say that their budget's one thing and their brief's another and there isn't really a match between their brief and their budget, I'll give them my frank and honest thoughts that they will either need to change their brief or, you know, possibly increase their budget. But I also say this, I'm never going to underestimate the determination and tenacity of a homeowner and what they can achieve because time and time again, I have watched diligent, persistent and strong homeowners be up against it and achieve things in their home that people said that they couldn't. They were just willing to keep going, to keep putting in the time, the effort and the work and finding the right people to have on their team where they best needed to invest their money and to pull together uh, the resources that they need and other people who actually believed in the possibility of their goals. Now, sometimes, of course, you will need encouragement. You'll need a kind word and someone in your corner that can cheer you on when you're doing this. So if you don't have that right now, find someone who can be in your corner and who can be that person for you. It's what I do for my members inside the home method. It's needed. It's just needed for the fight that you're occasionally going to have to have. I know, though, that the ninth and tenth things that I love about you that I'm going to mention um, a little bit later, they, they, they'll show you they make the fight all worthwhile. So be sure to stay tuned uh, for those. Now, the seventh thing that I love about you is this. You actually care about the people that you're working with and you want a good experience for all involved in your project. You're really fair about the work that's involved in your project and you ultimately want to work with people that you respect, that you get along with and that you share common values with and you want them to enjoy working with you as well. Now, this can sometimes be to your detriment because I do see homeowners bend over backwards to be liked um, or they don't stand their ground because they're concerned about appearing like a nag or, you know, one of those kinds of clients. However, when you do create an amazing team, it is awesome what can eventuate. I actually speak with builders who now go on regular camping holidays with previous clients because they found that they just actually really share a bunch of common interests and they really enjoy each other's company. As an industry professional myself, helping someone create their future family home, it's an intimate relationship and it's a really important privilege. And so it's something that you actually want to trust to people that you actually like spending time with. So just remember though, that your team, they can enjoy themselves on your project and they can like you without you having to put on a big Friday lunch for them every week, bring them coffee every morning or have big parties to celebrate specific milestones on your project. 
you're awesome as you are. You don't have to perform or to be a certain way for them to like you or to enjoy working with you. Just pay your bills on time, speak honestly and frankly about how you feel, be respectful and be collaborative. If you do this, you're going to be streets ahead of the clients who are bullies, who say one thing and do another, who don't pay their bills and hold it over their people that they're working with like a threat and who badmouth their team behind their backs. Now, the eighth thing I love about you is this, (laughs) you don't mind tough love. This one's actually a bit of a prerequisite for being part of the Undercover Architect community. When I was actually starting Undercover Architect, I was doing an online uh, program called B-School with a woman named Marie Forleo, who's in the States. And she helps mainly female entrepreneurs uh, start and build their online businesses. Now, one of the exercises that we had to do inside this program was we had to survey 25 of our friends to ask them what characteristics they most appreciated in us. It was a really challenging exercise to do. I was super grateful for my friends who were willing to participate in it. Now, Overwhelmingly, what was the top response that I got from my friends about the most appreciated characteristic of mine? Honesty. They loved my honesty. Now, I've not ever been one for mincing my words. It's not always received well. (laughs) My husband, when we were first together, um, and we've been together a really long time, uh, over 20 years now, he used to say to me, you can't say that to people or I can't believe that you asked them that question. Um, he's now got used to it and I've explained to him that people are always welcome to tell me that it's none of my business and not answer my questions. I don't take that personally. Early in my career though, I did find that it was hard because it often took clients by surprise to have me provide honest feedback on their wishes and wants or on the capacity or the incapacity of their budget to deliver on their dreams. So as I started Undercover Architect, I was really worried about this. How was I going to provide this honest feedback and not offend people, hurt people's feelings and, you know, annoy people? However, I was given some really brilliant advice by a business coach who said to me, just prepare people for it first. So if you've worked with me one-to-one, you'll have mostly, you know, you'll most likely have heard me start my conversation with words to this effect. Please understand if I say anything that's hard to hear or confronting, It's not my intention to offend or upset you. I am passionate about you getting the most from your investment in your home and from your investment in working with me. And so I tend not to mince my words and tell it like it is. One of the most beautiful things about Undercover Architect and about working with you is that I have found this amazing community of people who are looking for exactly this from working with me. You don't mind tough love. You don't mind me telling you like it is. And in fact, you're usually looking for exactly that, even though you know it may be hard to hear at first. I recently had one of the members of my online program, The Home Method, uh, she posted a message in our Facebook group. She'd missed one of our fortnightly live Q&A sessions that we have in there. And so she was listening back to it later and she posted this. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you, Amelia Lee. I listened to the latest Q&A on my drive home yesterday and it struck me again just how generous and helpful you are to all of us in this group. You are able to answer our questions honestly and frankly, but also while being kind and supportive. This building process has been so much longer than I ever anticipated, but your encouraging words and the way you help us, each of us to celebrate the little steps makes it feel like we are making progress and that the otherwise agonising wait to get our dream home will be worth it just for taking the time and not rushing into things without due consideration. Thank you for everything you do to reassure us that we are doing the right thing 
and challenging us gently when we need to reconsider a decision. This is the thing. I will always tell you it's your decision. It's your home. It's your money. It's your future. It's your life that you're going to be leading in and beyond your home. And so what you do with my suggestions, with my advice, with my recommendations, that is always your business. I'm not attached to the choices you make. I don't take it personally when you choose to do what you choose to do. I am not precious. I'm not a tortured artist about all this stuff. What I am is this. I'm someone who cares really deeply about you and your home. And so I feel I owe you the best of my experience and expertise. I owe you my honesty in sharing with you what I know from the years that I've been helping homeowners with their renos and new builds. It's always given from a place of care and love and seriously wanting the best for you. You know, this matters. Your home matters. And so I'm so, so grateful that you don't want me to sugarcoat it, that you give me permission to give you the tough love. Now, the ninth thing I love about you is this. Doing this project, it's it will unlock all sorts of exciting things in your future, in empowerment, in confidence, and in quality of lifestyle. If you're still in the prepping and planning phase of your project, or you're even already making it happen, you may not realize what is currently happening for you or what lies on the horizon. And frankly, this is one of the things that I most love and that most excites me about my work with homeowners. It's what happens to you during your project that then enables so much more to be possible for you after your project. Time and time again, I've watched homeowners rise to the challenge of creating their future home. They've researched and learned. They've become project managers. They've upskilled their negotiation and communication skills. They've honed their management abilities. They've figured out how to do team coordination and time management. They've become knowledgeable in design, materials, products, and details. They've poured over drawings and they've wrapped their head around visualizing imaginary three-dimensional spaces. They've juggled money and managed their budgets. They've stood on site each week and had conversations about construction. They've made their dreams of their future home become the real place they then inhabit and make memories in with their family for many, many years to come. They've achieved a huge goal, often a really long-held dream and hope for their family, and they've created a place that their family will remember, sometimes for generations to come. And in my experience, for many, that unlocks something inside of them. I was speaking with this about one of my program members who finished her project a while back. She's got two kids. She works from home. Her hubby was away for a lot of the time that she planned and oversaw their renovation. And they sold off materials and things that they removed from the house. She picked the finishes and fixtures and she discussed the details with the builder. She was closely involved in all these activities and decisions that she'd had no previous experience in at all. And she did amazingly. The home is such a credit to her tenacity her ability to embrace the process, the decisions that she made, and also the support and the help that she accessed along the way. And she's created this incredible place for her and her family to live that is a beautiful, calm, enjoyable, lovely home. And I told her how much I loved watching her do this, how privileged I felt to have a front row seat to be witness to what she's accomplished, to what she's been able to create, to share in her journey along the way. And how I knew now that because she'd overcome this, because this was something that she previously thought was a huge and almost impossible challenge, I was really excited about what else she might be able to tackle as a result. She smiled and she said to me, you're right, you know, I'm looking around and I'm thinking now, what other project can I take on? This wasn't without its challenges and I learned a lot. 
but I really did love making it all happen. Now this leads me to the 10th thing that I love about you. I believe in you and I love that you let me believe in you because frankly, if I couldn't believe in you and your ability to be educated and empowered in your project, then Undercover Architect would be pretty pointless, wouldn't it? I know I can promise you that this is all going to be worth it and I believe that you totally have it within you to make this happen. It may not be easy. It may actually be really challenging at times. You may need to have tough conversations, hear tough feedback. You may need to change tack, pivot on your ideas and your plans. Things may get in the way. You may not progress as fast as you would like. You may make mistakes. You may get frustrated with the performance of those that you're working with. You may get frustrated with your own performance. You may feel uncomfortable, slow, even silly or stupid. You may feel like it's not worth it. You may want to chuck it all in and sell up everything and hit the road in a caravan for a year. You may want to win the lottery and just pay for someone to take care of all of it for you and take it off your hands. At any point or at all points, you may feel annoyed with your partner, with those that you're working with or with yourself. Anything that involves this much money, this much time and effort and has this level of emotional investment in it, these feelings are going to be inevitable. They can and they will exist in small doses at different points during your project. Please know though that if they're a constant experience, if this is the only thing that you're feeling all of the time, then you need more support and help. So look for where you can access that because you can and you should enjoy your project. It shouldn't be a stress-filled, difficult experience from start to finish. It can certainly have its moments and its ups and its downs, but it should still on the whole be enjoyable. However, when something matters this much and it has this much meaning in your life and this much meaning for the long-term future with your family, plus it's also something that you don't have any or much experience in, you can feel all these challenging things. When you get it right though, when you access the support and guidance that you need, when you get clear on your goals and you create you know, a great team who is on the same page as you and they have a passion for helping you achieve those goals and then you know what you need to know or you've got somewhere to turn to get that help, then I know this to be definitely true. The journey, the journey that you're on, it is going to be so, so worth it, as will the home that you create as well and the quality of lifestyle it's then going to help you lead. I know it will. From my 25 plus years of doing this with all the projects that I've worked on and all the beautiful people that I've had the privilege of working with, I know this to be true for you too. Thank you for listening. This has been my somewhat corny but very sincere love letter to you. Episode 200, it feels like a big milestone and it's it's so great to be able to have this kind of conversation with you. So I do hope that you found it really helpful as well. Perhaps it's helped you feel a little bit more normal about yourself and your project experience. Or maybe it's highlighted where you might need some more support. Hopefully though, it's helped you embrace all the great things I know that you're capable of as you create your future family home. Now, be sure to grab the full transcript. This has been a meaty episode. So head to uh, www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 200. That's the numbers 200. It's there available as a free PDF download and you can keep it for your notes and refer back to this information as you need it. And you can also head to that link, undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 200. I've got resources and links to the information and the programs that I've mentioned in this episode, including my online program, The Home Method. Please share this podcast episode with family, friends, colleagues, even strangers, basically anyone that you know it may help. 
so that we can get this information and knowledge into the ears and hands of as many homeowners as possible and improve their experience of designing, building and renovating their family homes. I love hearing the stories of those who found this podcast thanks to the generosity of another listener. It is just awesome. Now, if you haven't left a review on the Undercover Architect podcast, especially if you listen on iTunes, I would be so grateful if you please could. It really makes a difference in enabling this podcast to reach others that it can help. And it also ensures that I can continue to grow the podcast and get amazing guests and information on here as well. Be sure to tune in for our next episode, which lands each Tuesday morning to access helpful information and education in your project journey so that you can get it right as you design, build or renovate your family home. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye.